0: state. Since we, body and soul, are temples of the Holy Spirit, it is God's will that we keep ourselves. (coughs) beloved congregation of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ brothers and sisters and that includes also Seventh Commandment. If there is one commandment that receives a lot of attention, it is the Seventh, you shall not commit adultery. The Seventh Commandment deals, as is evident, also from the way the Heidelberg Catechism treats it with sexuality in general. And it affects all of us. It's not just aimed at married couples. (coughs) No, everyone is addressed. adults, engaged couples, married couples, single people, divorced people, and widowers and widows, and we have them all here in our midst. And so none of us is is excluded. And we are dealing here with a difficult and sensitive topic. There are also a lot of mixed feelings associated. By what you hear on the airwaves and see in the movies and read in the books and observe on the internet, there is nothing that fascinates man more than sex and love. Why is that? No doubt that's because of the way God has created man. Our sexuality is a most wonderful gift. God has created man in order to love and to be loved. God created man for us this commandment. He tells us how to properly conduct ourselves over against him and one another. I've summarized the message of the sermon in the following manner. The seventh commandment teaches us to glorify God in our most intimate relationships. And then we will see that we must do that, first of all, before marriage, secondly, within marriage, and finally, sexuality and about marriage, then we must first lay a proper foundation. And the question we must ask is this, why did God institute marriage? The only way we can answer that question is by going back to the beginning, to the time that God created man. As you know, God first created man. woman was created afterwards. That didn't happen because a woman was an after then Adam cries out joyfully, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Adam is overjoyed. He is delighted that now he too can have a partner. God created in him a desire for the woman to have her and to hold her, to have spiritual and physical union with her. And so you young people, Certain sexual feelings come over to you in the presence of someone from the opposite sex. They are. young people are curious about the opposite sex. Those feelings make you want to hold someone close and to be held in the same way. And the Lord knows that. As a matter of fact, that's his doing. That's also what the Bible tells us. Look at what it says in the Song of Songs. This whole book of the Bible is about a boy and a girl Inspired by the Holy Spirit, we're not always comfortable with it. Because of our sinfulness, that's also understandable. Nevertheless, even though we may be inclined to do that, this is not a book that we should skip. For some parents are afraid to have to deal with sexual feelings in an open way, in the way that is done, for example, in the book song of songs. They don't want to have to entertain embarrassing questions from their children. With this book, the Lord teaches us not to be that way. For he wants us to be open and honest about our feelings, including our sexual feelings. For he is the one who created them. Look at how love is expressed in the piece that we read together. There a shepherd boy and a slave girl express their desire for each other. Chapter 1, verse 12, the girl says, While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. The girl gives this as an introduction to what she is about to say about her lover. Evidently, this slave girl served at the table of King Solomon, and it was the custom to adorn oneself with flowers and to make oneself alluring with perfume says further, My love to me is a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. Myrrh is a very expensive type of perfume. And the blossoms of henna are also very aromatic. And now she compares her lover to such an expensive perfume. And now the shepherd He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. This is the language of love. It's poetic language. It's not the kind of language that you and I would choose in this day and age. To hear one's desire and express this way will evolve some chuckles from us. And I saw some chuckles. does give us some feeling of the emotions that are at play here. They are ex- both expressing their physical desire for each other. Now then, the Lord God does not give us in any way the message that the feelings expressed here by these two lovers are sinful. On the contrary, they are shown as wholesome feelings that a man may have for a woman and that a woman may have for a man. since the fall into sin, that which the Lord made beautiful, man has defiled. And that's why it is a good thing that we are first of all reminded of that which is positive about our sexuality, for because of our sin, we tend to think that anything to do with sex is sinful, but that's not true, that's not biblical so then, as we deal with the negative aspects of our sexuality, I want you to keep in mind that sexuality as such is something beautiful that God has created. And we may not rob God of the beauty of his creation, for God intends for us to enjoy his creation, and that includes the gift of sex. And so then, as we deal with the negative aspects of our something that we should not be ashamed of. It says in the Song of Songs in chapter 2 for seven daughters of Jerusalem I charge you by the gazelles and by the doles of the field do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Although she speaks of her great desire. desires. Can you imagine if he gave in to our desires all the time? If you see something beautiful and you just take it for yourself, you wouldn't do that. Man is different from an animal. An animal knows no restraints. It gives in to its desires. A manifold allows its desires, its instinct to rule it. But man is different. A man and a woman have been created in the image of God we are reminded that one's body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Even The temple as described in the Old Testament is first of all a place that has been purified. It has been purified by the blood of the sacrificed animals. But now our bodies have been purified by the blood of Christ. And furthermore a temple, God's temple is also a place where God's word same thing is true of our hearts and our minds. God's word has been implanted there. And so our minds and our hearts are also the places in which prayers arise. In God's temple, man's prayers are sent out to God. And in this way, God dwells in our body. Service of the Lord, our bodies are a most holy place. For God has made them so. In the temple, as in God's, as in our bodies, God's will must be done. Satan has no place there. And for that reason, we must control our natural, our fleshly desires. is doing the will of God or the will of Satan. There's no in-between way. As I said earlier, sexual desires are such and not wrong. But how do you express them? And when? That may only be done in accordance with God's way. And only at the time when he allows it. When a boy or sex, then great damage is done. We live in a world which teaches us to give in to our sexual desires. Whereas some of the other commandments, such as the commandment not to kill or to steal, are still somewhat upheld in this society, the seventh commandment, especially as it applies to adults, is not. Any kind of restraint regarding sex is thrown to the wind. Sex before marriage is considered quite normal. The of adultery is no longer considered to be a shameful thing. The state says that it has no business in the bedrooms of the nations. And nowadays, it's cruel to be gay, but it's an abomination to the Lord. Satan uses the beautiful gift of sexuality to draw you away from God by enticing you to use it. reflect the union that we have with God happiness can only be found with God it can only be found if you are obedient to him and he tells us when and where to candidates were brought before her for the final selection. She called the prospective chauffeurs to her balcony and pointed out a brick wall Second felt sure that he could come within six inches. The third believed that he could get within three inches. The fourth candidate said, I do not know how close I could come to the wall without damaging your car. Instead, I would try to stay as far away from that wall as I could. This candidate that true skill in driving is not based so much on the ability to steer the car to a narrow miss as on the ability to keep a wide margin of safety. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, like the fourth candidate, there are many aspects of human nature, such as sexual temptation, that are best dealt with by keeping a wide margin of safety. That's also the case with sexual relations. We have to know when to put on the brakes before we hit the wall, before we do damage. Of course, like I said, the world thinks different. It wants you to go as far as you can go. It wants you to seek pleasure wherever you think you can find it such worldly permissiveness lead? Does it lead to happiness and fulfillment? The world ridicules the church with its prohibition against all kinds of sexual immorality. It would have everyone believe that the restraint is what makes one unhappy. However, the reality is that such unbridled passion leads to nothing but pain and sorrow. The of AIDS has become endemic. When you die of AIDS, then you die a slow and horrible death. And millions and millions upon people are afflicted with it all over the world. Furthermore, there are also many other venereal diseases which are contracted because of sexual immorality. Physical toll is great. It is nothing compared to the emotional and spiritual pain caused by adultery and sexual immorality. Children who desperately need their parents grew up without them. And this is especially the case in Africa. Sexual immorality. adversely it vex not only your own life but also the lives of others. Now then this may not mean too much to the young person here in our midst for he or she may not yet be affected and the sad thing or at least so they think, the sad thing is that so often we have to experience the pain and the turmoil before we believe it but it's so much better So listen carefully, young people, because the Catechism was specially written for the instruction of the youth. Look at how God has made things. Again, look at the beginning, at the time of creation. God created man and woman, and he is the one who brought them together. It is only because of sin that there is disorder and perversion. Sexual desires can have their proper expression only between husbands and wives. Let me say this once again so that this is properly understood. Everyone has been created with sexual desires. These desires and the feelings that go along with As such are not wrong. But if you act on them outside of marriage, then they are. Sexual desires are created to be expressed between lawfully wedded people. The Lord God wants you to be able to control your sexual feelings. He wants you to know when to put on the brakes. And that means that sex before marriage is forbidden. He tells you to wait. All sex outside of holy marriage. Again, listen to what the girl has to say in the Song of Songs. She charges the daughter of Jerusalem by the gazelles of the does and the doors of the field that you do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. She does not directly call upon the Lord here, but upon God's creatures. In this way, as is evident from the rest of this song, she indirectly. God. God is the one who created all things, including the animals, and also man and woman. Love ought not to be rushed. First, a commitment of marriage, and then can that love only be expressed between a man and a woman, that it can be fully expressed. Also note well that such sexual desire can only be for one person in your life. This passage in the Song of Songs also clearly indicates that. In chapter 2, verse 2, the boy says, Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens. The picture that is painted here is quite clear. He wants us to envisage a field, a field full of thorns. All other women, no, as far as he's concerned, there's only one for him, and that is his beloved. His desire is for no other. That's also how God created it. To come to the second point. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Because of sin good feelings and desires for one another can change into bad feelings. Love sometimes grows cold. For Marriage partners are sinful people. Because they are sinful, they also hurt each other. Also, when you get older, you are no longer as physically attractive either. And so it happens that marriage partners look elsewhere. They want to recreate their feelings of you. Once you are married, there is only one for you. He or she should always be like a beautiful flower in the midst of a field of weeds. Is that how you see your wife? Is that how you see your husband? When your desire goes to another man, seduces a married man she steals that man away from his wife and the same thing is true the other way around and whoever breaks up the marriage of another ruins many lives listen to what we read in Malachi Malachi reminds the people that the Lord was witness to the covenant between the man and the wife of his youth and so he says in verse 16 I hate divorce says the Lord God of Israel so guard yourself and God warns against adultery. It is an abomination. We may not just cast one another aside. For that is what this society does. We live in a throwaway society. When you are no longer in love, then throw away your partner, get somebody else. That kind of thinking and lifestyle is especially promoted in the media of today, in the movies, on the internet, Papers and in the trashy novels. Sadly, in the church, we're also affected by these things. And that's the way it's been throughout the ages. And for that reason, there are also broken relationships in our midst. There are also separated and divorced people among us. There are also those whose lives have been severely affected by adultery and by the sexual sins of others. And so when you hear be silent about sexual matters. However, those who feel the shame of sexual sins do not have to hide in the pews. At the end of this worship service, they do not have to leave with their heads bowed because of shame. For the Lord also knows about the brokenness of this life, including As long as we repent from our sins and as long as we go to the Lord for a healing can we also be redeemed by the blood of Christ and brothers and sisters there is not a person here who has not sinned also against this commandment Congregation is made up of nothing but sinners. Through the blood of Christ, all things are sanctified, purified. That brings us to the third point. In our midst, there are also non-married people. Also, their needs need to be taken into consideration. And there are many reasons for people to remain single people simply like it better that way. Others have had disappointments in their lives which they were unable to overcome. Again, others may have physical or mental handicaps. There are also those who are single because they have been widowed or because a marriage partner single people are able to devote their lives to the Lord to be a great blessing to God's church. That's also the case here in the Emmanuel church. I know. Because I know the single members of this church. And how much of a blessing, especially some of the older single members of the church are to others. It's wonderful. However, whatever the reason for their single church, do not overstate the benefits of marriage in that regard. There are also married people who have great difficulties within marriage because of their sexuality. There may be many reasons for that. Furthermore, within marriage, self-control is also required both on the part of the man and the part of the woman. There are many desires that God has created for us. Because of sin, there are certain things that we can never have in this life. For the one that is this, something else. And that's not God's fault. The Lord God does promise, however, eternal happiness in the life hereafter, and we may have a foretaste of that now. However, until we have the full enjoyment of eternal life, God does not want us to concentrate on the negative, on the things that we are not able to have. No, he urges all of us, and also the single and the con- in the congregation, to consecrate on the things that we do have, and to use those things for God's kingdom. For ultimately, that's what it is all about, isn't it? The Lord teaches us to be pure both within and outside of holy wedlock, not for our sakes in the first place, but so that we may show ourselves to be faithful and thankful children of his. And then the Lord will bless you in whatever state he has called you single or married,